I thought it would be interesting to look at the figure of Prometheus from Greek mythology as a way of looking at the Grand Inquisitor and also as a way of looking at the deeper issues that Dostoevsky wanted to explore. Um, this figure of Prometheus is so important. Um, the common version of the myth of Prometheus, who was a demigod, who was a titan, um, who was later banished by Zeus, um, is the figure who stole fire from Zeus and gave it to man. There, there is another version, um, which was probably later, that has Prometheus creating man. Um, but either way, the Promethean figure is one who is constantly striving to unlock the secrets of nature, who refuses to acknowledge any limits to the human mind's capacity to understand them. Such an individual might even want to covet the knowledge of God. And so very much a figure associated with rebellion. And so <clears throat> we read um, in book five, Dostoevsky writes, through the grand inquisitor and then for the sake of that earthly bread all will follow him crying who can compare with that beast he has given us fire from heaven so dostoevsky is taking the image of prometheus with language from uh the book of revelation to draw our attention to this ancient figure now dostoevsky um, might be drawing from ideas from Aeschylus. And I'm going to bring up Aeschylus because uh, there's a scholar named Klieger who calls Dostoevsky the new Aeschylus. Aeschylus lived in the fifth century BC. He's the father of tragedy. Uh, he wrote the famous Oresteia, which is the story of the murder of King Agamemnon by his wife, Clytemenstra, and how the son tries to avenge the murder and how they are struggling with a curse, uh, a curse from the house of Atreus, and how this curse, it's really beautiful how Aeschylus writes it, how it has to be solved by uh, Athena and, and reason and beauty. It's actually a beautiful, beautiful trilogy. But he is the father of tragedy. And he also wrote um, a play called Prometheus Bound. He, he actually probably wrote three, but this is the only one that survived. In his tale, Prometheus is a compassionate rebel. He has compassion for his people, and he, of course, he steals the fire. Um, so Dostoevsky is definitely using this um, vision of Prometheus to, I think, just to help us understand what modern man might be facing. This idea that we want bread at any cost and we want it to be given to us and if we have to give up who we are as a people we'll do it and so he is he is linking the two together um also dostoevsky represents mankind's thirst for knowledge his quest to master nature his rebellion against the church and all authority um his ambition to explore new frontiers find new unexplored, you know, sort of dangerous territory just to enhance his condition. Dostoevsky is saying this is, this is Promethean and it's a temptation and it's dangerous. Um, so I wanted to bring up Prometheus to make one point that for Dostoevsky, 
The three temptations can only be seen as the victory of socialism because the only sin, when you're done reading the the Grand Inquisitor, the only sin is hunger. So Dostoevsky knows what he's doing there. I thought it might also be interesting to tell you that Karl Marx also was very fascinated by the figure of Prometheus. He saw uh, stealing fire from gods um, as a way to give the development of productive forces to men. Marx wrote his thesis, actually, um, his PhD on Greek philosophy. And interestingly enough, he quotes from Aeschylus's Prometheus Unbound. He says, Prometheus is the most eminent saint and martyr in the philosophical calendar. For Marx, this mythological hero, he deserves admiration for daring to confront the gods. And and that's the time we're living in. This is the time Dostoevsky's writing about, where there's no humility towards the supernatural, okay? Um, Marx focuses on anger against the gods. And so in looking at the Grand Inquisitor and Socialism, Marx and Prometheus. I think it's good to just review a few basic factors about Marxism. Uh, Marx believed the basis of reality lies in matter alone. Ideas are just superstructure. The basic life um, of economics is what makes difference in this world. He saw history as having an end. History is moving towards a struggle. It has an end and it's inevitable. There's no free will. And it's going to be the rise, of course, of the working class. There's going to be a dictatorship. And and when that's finished, all exploitation and hierarchy will be abolished. The state is going to wither away. Politics are going to cease to exist. Technology is going to bring wonders. This is the view of Marx. Obviously, it's utopian. And this is what Dostoevsky is, is is writing against. Um, And I think it's just important to remind ourselves as readers, how do we avoid Marx's interpretation of history? It's so dark. How do we avoid it? I think the answer is to find our own place in salvation history. If we remember that history is God's history with us and that there is salvation. Um, And we want to avoid the idea that everything is a commodity, which Marx definitely drew on in in his writings. Um, I'm going to close with um, some words from Marx himself about Prometheus. He says, and, and this is not fun reading, right? This is from Das Kapital. This is from his masterpiece on capital. He says, the law which always holds the relative surplus population or industrial reserve army in equilibrium with the energy of accumulation, okay, bear with me, rivets the worker to capital more firmly than the wedges of Hephaestus held Prometheus to the rock. Of course, Hephaestus is the god that um, makes, makes the armor, but he throws Prometheus in there Dostoevsky puts Prometheus in there. Um, And actually, John Paul II, in a lot of his writings, he mentioned this figure as well. And I think it is a useful lens for looking at book five.